Fanomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and, and here's what I want for Christmas. I want a new headset for recording podcasts because mine, uh, the right ear, no longer works. It broke last night while I was talking to our pal Mike Gordon recording this week's episode, which is all about Christmas on television. Uh, like halfway through the episode, I just stopped getting sound in the right side of my headset, and it's not my computer because everything else works fine. And I, apparently, the fact that this headset has lasted me since I first joined the Earth Station Who podcast. Uh, or actually, you know what? I take that back. It's since I first made an appearance on the Earth Station One podcast because I bought this headset for that appearance. This is a Turtle Beach headset. Uh, I don't know what the model is, but I'm sure they don't make it anymore anyway because it's seven years old. But uh, yeah, that's that's not bad. Apparently, uh, when I told Mike how long they had lasted, he was quite surprised. So, uh, what I want for Christmas is a new, preferably Turtle Beach headset. Uh, it's a gaming headset with the the uh, ear ear phones and microphone and whatever all the technical terms are. Boy, do I sound like an idiot sometimes. You know what? I don't mind because it's the Christmas season. I feel great. I'm excited. And you know who else is excited? Mom is excited. Uh, and she has another Christmas story to share with all of you. Hello, everyone. I'm back again with more memories from David's first early Christmases. When David was about three and a half, Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman were the popular superheroes. David had the PJs that were one piece, footed, zipped from foot to neck, for each of those superheroes. We put David to bed on Christmas Eve in his Batman PJs, and when he got up Christmas morning, Santa had left the Batmobile on the tree. David played with it all morning as we had breakfast and looked at what help Santa had left. Then we all got dressed, had lunch, and did some family gifts for the rest of the day. We were enjoying the quietness of the day and just relaxing when we heard a blood-curling scream from the back of the house. I ran back to find David standing in the middle of his bedroom. All his clothes were on the floor, and he had his Batman PJs on with them zipped up until his penis stopped the zipper. There was nothing to do but unzip it and cringe as I did it. Fortunately, he had stopped zipping as soon as it pinched. A lot of memories that Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, thanks for sharing, Mom. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's it's. I, I remember that vividly, as I remember most of the things that she's talked about uh, so far. Because I've I've got a little collection of of messages uh, for you, the listeners, that will carry on throughout the rest of the month. But uh, it's interesting getting somebody else's perspective on 
these memories that we have. And it's also interesting how your parents take on a different identity as you get older. You know, that that's mom, but now she's Muma to my son. Like this entirely different person who isn't but is she has this whole other identity and and uh life i guess but uh anyway thanks for sharing mom merry christmas i love you uh even though you chose to share that particular story and uh so let's see let's move on to some news uh nothing is specifically Christmassy, but there is a lot to talk about, and the biggest news is probably that Hasbro has finally officially announced the release of Baby Yoda toys, or the child, if you will, and they all look great, of course, and they're all up for pre-order. They're all shipping in March, and there are a lot of different things to choose from. There is a Black Series figure, of course, that comes with a frog, uh, the little teacup, and uh, a couple other things. Oh, the ball, the little control from the Mandalorians, from the Razor Crest, which is the Mandalorian ship. Uh, there is a talking plush toy, which I assume will just make the little squeaking noises that Yoda has made so far, or Baby Yoda, the child, has made so far. Uh, there is a series of 2.2-inch collectible figures that look a little cartoonier, and it's it's three different two packs that include the child in different iconic poses from the show and it's weird to refer to them as iconic but considering the fact that they're all memes now they are iconic there's no denying that uh and then finally there is a the child 6.5 inch figure that you know great but what does this go with i, I don't I don't know, but whatever, it doesn't matter because all this stuff is going to sell like crazy and you can pre-order everything now. It's available on Hasbro Pulse, of course, but I don't recommend you go there uh, because it, despite the fact that their little uh, slogan is customers first, it seems that it's every other retailer on the planet first and then our customers because I have not since since the first couple of months of them being a business, I have not received anything that I've ordered uh, before I found it in stores. So I ordered my The Child collectibles, uh, two Black Series figures, because uh, my son is now collecting those as well, and we ordered the plush toy because, I mean, come on. Uh, but I ordered them from BigBadToyStore.com, who I should probably at some point reach out to for some sort of affiliate thing because I do find them to be the very best toy retailer on the Internet. But I just haven't. Uh, but there you go. You can get them from Entertainment Earth. Uh, you can get them all over, everywhere. I'm sure you can get them from Amazon as well if you want to take a chance on your child being smashed when it finally arrives in the mail. Uh, but I went with Big Bad because I love them. Uh, in other news, a couple of big trailers dropped this week. And I am excited about... Well, I'm excited in different ways. Uh, the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 dropped on Sunday. And it's as big and electrifying and and wonderful and exciting as you would expect it to be i love to look at pedro pascal as okay so apparently he's playing maxwell lord but if somebody hadn't told me that my assumption would have been that he's glorious godfrey and it, it seems to me that maybe they're sort of rolling those those characters slash stories into one 
but everything about this looked amazing. The part that really blew my mind, though, and if you're following Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, you already know this, was Wonder Woman riding lightning bolts, or swinging from lightning bolts, using her lasso of truth. That is the kind of wild, big, crazy thinking that makes me love movies. That is some, like, Big Trouble in Little China shit right there. And I adored it. I cannot wait to see this movie. And I'll admit, I was not... uh, I mean, we've talked about it on the show. I really, really liked Wonder Woman. I think it's... It's probably the best of the DC films, but I I didn't lose my mind over it like everybody else did. So for this sequel, I very much had a wait and see because I I just, we don't know. One movie does not a successful superhero movie career make. So now I'm totally stoked. I think it looks awesome and I can't wait to see it in the theater opening day. On Monday, we got another trailer for a highly anticipated movie. Maybe not as highly anticipated, but definitely one that people are curious about. And that is the new Ghostbusters, which has now been subtitled Afterlife. uh, Starring Finn Wolfhard and uh, a bunch of other people and Paul Rudd as your obligatory wacky adult. And apparently starring uh, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, and Dan Aykroyd. In, in some capacity. Uh, I, this looks like a good movie. And, and look, just to put this on the table, I still like the 2016... I still like Ghostbusters Answer the Call. It's not what I wanted, but it's a really fun movie with some really fun performances. Uh, yes, some bad choices were made, but overall, it's a fun movie. I, I would not consider it part of Ghostbusters because I think there's a very specific tone about the first movie and even the second movie, even though some people don't love it, that you just aren't going to be able to recapture. And I think it was, I think this new movie looks like it's taking the ideas and making its own modern tone, which may or may not work. I don't know. I liked what I saw. I'm very interested to see what the story is and how it works out. You know, very clearly, uh, Finn and his female co-star, Spangler's grandkids, and they look the part to perfection. And Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. He's phenomenal. He's fantastic. He's eminently watchable. I love the guy. So, I mean, again, we're a Ghostbusters family. We all love those movies, and we will be in the theater you know, opening day to watch it. But the, the only, to me, the eternal problem of Ghostbusters follow-up slash sequels is that as a kid, the real Ghostbusters burned into my brain and that is the continuation of the story from the first movie. Nothing will ever include that. Uh, nothing will ever, because this one has already made it apparent that, that what happened uh, in New York in the first movie which I don't know, are they just discounting the second movie? Like, I can't tell, but it's another one of those things where, like, they didn't go on to become a franchise. They didn't go on to be, uh, they didn't continue being Ghostbusters after the first film, and that just bothers the heck out of me, because to me, real Ghostbusters was the best story and will always be the true continuity. But it doesn't mean I can't enjoy other things. So, 
there you go. I'm excited. We'll be there to watch it. I hope it's great. Uh, finally, one other piece of news, Super 7. And I apologize. I am going to have to find the link. It just went away. Okay, Super 7 has shown an Andre the Giant action figure. There is some debate over the likeness to Andre the Giant. Now, this is depicting a young Andre in his blue trunks with that uh, fringed suede vest that he had. And he's got sort of his more familiar hair and his afro hair. I like it, but I see where people who say the likeness isn't good are coming from. I feel like the laughing likeness is pretty solid, but I'm not going to lie. Like, the rest of them aren't great. And the problem with Super 7 is you have to pre-order these things, and then they come in, come online, and you get what you get. So it, it's it's not a deal where you can wait until you see it in the store. And that is the problem I have with the other Super 7 offering. They've also opened up pre-orders for Conan the Barbarian figures based on the movie. And I wanted to like these at first. Uh, I, I don't. They're using the Masters of the Universe classics bucks with film likenesses. And I'm looking at them and uh, I'm not going to say they're bad because they're not bad, but they are not a look they're not an aesthetic that i would prefer for conan the barbarian toys uh, as much as i want nicely articulated conan movie toys and look they've got all the detailing right all the costumes look great uh the weapons the helmets like the multiple heads they it's got uh thulsa thulsa doom this is thulsa doom in that movie right yeah, Thulsa Doom, James Earl Jones. I mean, the James Earl Jones likeness is really nice. Comes with a helmet on and, and no helmet. Uh, it's Thorgrim, Thulsa Doom, Conan, and Rexor, who is the, the blonde guy, and then Thorgrim is the red-haired guy. And uh, they're cool-looking figures, but that aesthetic just doesn't look right to me and i hate to say it because i want them i want to have cool conan figures but there's just something about these that's off so uh again if i could wait and until i see them in the store and then make a decision then that would be great but i'm not pre-ordering these for 180 bucks which by the way super seven you know, has not now their ultimate figures in this scale are $45, much like their reaction figures are now $18, just because when, when you're doing these small collector-oriented lines, I'm sure it costs even more than the already expensive manufacturing that toy uh, makers are dealing with now. So that's just how it is. Prices are going up. And I'll tell you guys, it's killing me not to get those Turtles figures uh, that Super 7 is releasing. But I just can't make that kind of financial commitment. And uh, I hate it. I want to support cool stuff like that. Honestly, if these Conan figures were 30 bucks, maybe I'd just make the dive and just get them. But uh, for 45 bucks a piece, I need them to be more perfect. Not per There's nothing wrong with them. As far as quality and looks goes, they're just not what I want from Conan figures, which may sound weird because they're they're sharing 
aesthetics with one of the greatest barbarian toy lines of all time, the greatest barbarian toy line of all time. Uh, but it's just not it's not doing it for me, and and I hate it. But that's how it is. Uh, all right, so that's that's our news. Now it is time to move along into the meat of the show. Uh, I wanted to celebrate Christmas this year, and one of the well, all month long we're celebrating Christmas. But uh, one of the you know me being forty three years old, growing up in the eighties uh, with just a tad in the seventies and on into the nineties, television was a huge part of my life in every single way, particularly in pop culture. And Christmas television was something that was extra special to me. And I wanted to talk about, the through the years, uh, events, uh, television specials, episodes, whatever, uh, that have been Christmas-themed. And we cover, you know, as I say at the end of the episode, we barely scratch the surface, but we get some tantalizing tidbits in there. We talk about a lot of things that maybe don't get as much attention. Uh, we don't cover Rankin Bass or Charlie Brown or anything like that. Uh, we we tried to get into some really interesting ground and things that were special to us. And I think we had a great conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So now here is me and our pal Mike Gordon talking about Christmas on television. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure I could ever watch another Christmas special. I've been doing so much research for this episode, but uh, that's a big fat lie because I love Christmas specials. And if there's one person that I'm going to talk about Christmas specials with, that is Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy and howdy happy holidays. Well, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I explained that to you before we started talking. So yeah, because it it really does sound like, and appropriately enough, it sounds like Mr. Uh, is it was it Mr. Mr. The Christmas Hanky. Boo, Mr. Hanky Mr. the Christmas Hanky. Boo, Howdy yeah. ho. which I is a Christmas special, legit, right? Yeah, and you know what? It's one that I overlooked when I was putting my list together and doing my research today. Although I know it so well because I even have the soundtrack album to it. Well, yeah, I do too. I, I do too. Yep. And and it's yep. great. Mr. It is, it is on my, um, the Christmas poo. <laughs> it is among my uh playlist this time of year for uh for uh, Xmas songs. That's what my playlist is called. So That's very good and I'm glad that you brought up Xmas because in general I I am opposed to the Xmas. I feel like it should be Christmas always except there is one Christmas, and I say Christmas specials. We're talking about specials. We're talking about uh, episodes of regular series, basically anything Christmassy that was on television. Uh, and there is one instance that I feel Xmas is acceptable, and we'll we'll get to that later. So, um, so yeah, to to start, like I was thinking about it, and you know, when you said you wanted to talk about Christmas specials, I'm game down for that i've seen a bunch of them you know uh over 50 years of research we'll say right sure right right um and because uh, yeah that was something it was always we were always watching christmas specials and and so i kind of broke them down into three categories okay right there's your there's your variety shows like you know the bing crosby um uh 
uh, Perry Como, uh, like he was like legit, like the, the guy who did it every year. Um, uh, you know, and I think you can, uh, but those were like the special ones that had duets and, and people singing and dancing and that kind of stuff. And, um, and you don't see those much today. Uh, but there are some that uh, stand out even as uh, like about four or five years ago that I thought was uh, pretty good. So there's that kind of Christmas special. Then there's the Christmas special that are, are, is something made specifically for Christmas, like the, your, your Charlie Brown Christmas special, uh, your uh, uh, Rankin-Bass uh, programming, all that kind of stuff. And then you have your... Uh, regular series which decide to do a Christmas episode. So uh, those are the three categories that I kind of was was kind of locked to. And there's some that kind of bleed into, and there's some that, like, for example, uh, and we'll just get, I get this this right out of the way, right off the bat, the Star Wars Christmas special doesn't really, I don't, that's kind of all of the above. <laughs> yeah, well, right? it's, I don't know, I think it's something, because it's not, it's not part of any regular series, it's part of a franchise, right. although at the time it wasn't a franchise. True. Uh, this was the first, this was the first step to being a franchise, right? Yeah, it, I mean, if you're looking at the old expanded universe, this was the first thing, because I don't think Splinter of the Mind's Eye didn't come out for uh, until later, I don't think. I don't think so either. I think Star Wars, and, and yeah, and even if it did, it didn't get near as much right, right. Like, eyes on it as the Star Wars Christmas Which, which is special. unfortunate, because Splinter of the Mind's Eye is fairly <laughs> interesting and entertaining, and the True. Star Wars holiday special, no matter how much you love Star Wars, no matter how much you think... Oh, I'd like some weird off-putting Star Wars. It's terrible. I think its biggest problem is is that it's just too damn long. I think most people think of Christmas specials as being an hour, right? And with, with and commercials, this is, and, and if yeah, and if this was an hour with commercials, I think it would be fantastic. Whew, but it, that's a that's a strong word, Mike Gordon. <laughs> Well, it would be fun, you know. You, you could at least like blow through it. Like you could just be like, okay, well, yeah, I don't like this part, but then you know, whatever. But the fact that it's two hours, <laughs> you'd say I don't just... like this part, and then you'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> it's still Star Wars, um, um, and you know, I don't know if it's the worst Star. You know, it's debatable whether that's that's the worst Star Wars that's ever been made. But well, no, that would be Last Jedi. <laughs> no. Oh. All right, so. <laughs> So, but I do think it checks off, you know, a couple of the boxes because it is a special, it's a variety show, and yeah, it's part of a franchise, so you could argue that it's a Christmas themed episode of a franchise, right? So, so that that is unique in of itself and I think we'll just leave it there really. That's the that's the best, <laughs> that's the best, it's it's ambition is the best part about it, right? I've I've watched it uh, th- three or four times in my life, probably. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure my parents sat down and watched it with me when I was a, a wee lad, and I I didn't really. I have no memory of that. I'm I don't know if it, you know, made any kind of impression on me whatsoever. Uh, and then, in the early '90s, probably when I first started discovering what uh, what we at Needless Things like to refer to as import videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a copy and watched it once. And at the time, 
I even then I don't think its reputation was as bad as it is now. No, and well, I mean that's its own fault, really, because it was so unavailable for so long. It became legendary. Yeah, and yeah. then when people saw it, they were so like disappointed. So it was it it, it really just didn't help it. Like if they had just released it and had been out there, I don't. I think we all just would have been like, okay, that's what it is. But the fact that it became this thing that you couldn't see um and it was forbidden to see um truly for, for good reason yes uh, yeah. <laughs> um that 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 didn't help it anyway so. well i think at the time when i bought it because uh, I, I got you know they used to have the tape uh the tape sales uh, vhs bootleg, excuse me imports <laughs> at uh dragon con they were there would be tables and tables of them before dragon con cracked down on that and uh, I believe that's where I got it. And at the time I got it, I wasn't even sure it was real. Like, I wasn't at that point in my life. <laughs> I didn't even know for sure that it was a real thing that had happened. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a thing. Oh, and look, there's Boba Fett. Well, I'll buy this. And uh, was I, I, I don't know that I hated it. I just thought it was bad. But in subsequent viewings, because I, you know, I like to give things a chance. I'll go back and revisit things that I don't like, because sometimes uh, age or experience, whatever, will change your perspective, and you can have an appreciation for things that maybe you once didn't care for. Uh, that has not been the case here. I hate it more every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I watched it when it was uh, when it was first aired. Um, I mean, we all did. I mean, granted, sure, there were yeah, only yeah. granted there were only four channels at the time, but still, <laughs> right? And I have no idea what was on opposite, but the fact is, nobody. I mean, I don't know. At least probably seventy percent of the country was probably watching this. Um, and uh, <laughs> and but you know, I mean, look. Uh, as I get older, my the, there's a lot of spots uh, that I don't remember. And uh, I think my brain was trying to keep me healthy by sort of keeping this from me. So I, I remember very little about it. Um, and uh, and I really haven't watched it start to finish since then. Uh, and uh, I, you know, as I get older, I'm like, why would I waste that time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so moving on from that, I think it's and I just want to get this over with, too, right away, because I, I doubt there's a lot of these that maybe you put or or, or, th- or thought about okay but the variety shows like you know like i said bob hope and everybody had them i mean they back in the 70s and 80s everybody had them just in general well the two um, the but, two that stand out in my mind and you'll probably end up mentioning them and they're two that i've actually watched within the past few years uh-huh. are liberace's and johnny cash's wow Okay, so neither one of those uh, are like on my little list. So um, that's that's amazing that you would uh, remember those. Well, no, no, they're on Amazon. Oh, are they? Yes, are uh, they? I watched the and and I high for anyone. I highly recommend uh, the Liberace Christmas special. It is. Uh, it, it has you know if you've watched the movie with Michael Douglas, uh, it makes seeing Liberace in this situation, because he loves what he's doing. He's a born entertainer. He loves entertaining. He loves people. And his Christmas special is very uh, wonderful, but also has sort of that melancholy undertone 
to it. Uh, but it's very, it's very nice. I, I liked it quite a bit. And then the Johnny Cash one is, you know, it, it's it's more the typical variety. I mean, you know, he had a variety show for one season, and it's more, you know, can go hand in hand with the ones that you're talking about. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I just uh, I have to check those out, and it's cool that some, I mean, a lot of these are of course available like on YouTube or parts of them or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think there's been you know legal reasons I would imagine just because sure. if you get that many people singing that many licensed songs, uh, it's going to be a problem. And, and um, that's the problem with a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight, and why some of it's a little bit harder to find is you have all these different artists that have contributed yep. in some way uh, and it becomes copyright licensing, whatever, whatever and they it had, is. And legit, they had no clue that that was even going to be a problem. They no, would just do no. it, perform it, do it, done, move on. This right? is the like, same era where they were taping over Doctor Who stories, because why would we keep those old ones? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting that I think that, like the Liberace one in particular, I'm kind of curious about. I'm wondering if it's got that same, you know, sort of appeal that the the Kiss Halloween special has been getting over the last couple of years, right? That's got a huge, like, kind of almost a legendary um, traditional status now. It's like, oh, everybody has to watch that at, at Halloween now. I don't think so, because I happened to cross last year is, is when I found the Liberace one, and I was just, I, you know, you go to Amazon, and, you know, out of all the streaming services... Amazon has the widest variety of stuff because it takes less to get something on there. So you can find these old TV specials to independent films to big Hollywood blockbusters. And so if you go and you type in something like Christmas special, you're going to get so many results with such obscure things and a wide range, like you're saying, anything from old 50s variety shows modern day specials and that's what i did is i put in christmas specials and that one was maybe you know it was kind of deep in the list but not too far in and i thought you know what i'm watching a liberace christmas special (laughs) (laughs) sure you know (laughs) i i could definitely see that um the the ones that i i sort of thought of um and had memories of um, and I don't, to be honest, some of these, I, well, a couple, this was the first one, uh, 1977, uh, I don't know if I actually saw it, like, when it aired, but it's become something that, at least part of it, one thing in particular has become something that I, I, I take part in and watch every, uh, every season now, and that is, uh, Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas, where Bing Crosby goes to England, uh, this is where the famous Bing Crosby, David Bowie, uh, Little Drummer Boy duet uh, takes oh, place. Oh, right, right. So, um, so yeah, that's become very uh, iconic. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was part of Bing Crosby's uh, Christmas special, where Bing uh, and his family travel over to London uh, for and have, like, Christmas adventures or whatever. Uh, so, uh, so that was 1977. Of course, we always already mentioned the Star Wars Christmas special in 78. I think that was 78, right? Um, and then uh, 79, this is the one I thought you were going to like, you were gonna, we were going to like hit together. And, uh, and maybe you have this on your list somewhere else, but uh, this would be uh, John Denver and the Muppets. Oh, I've got it, and I watched it today. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say growing up that I was a big John Denver fan. Uh, I've learned to appreciate him over the years. Um, but, um, 
I can't think of a better pairing, certainly at that time and even just in general for a Christmas album and a Christmas special than uh, John Denver and the Muppets. They're just, I mean, John Denver is like a Muppet really in this. Yeah, I that that is on my list. Uh, I've actually got some notes about it as well. And when it was first released, uh, it got sort of mixed reviews. And so I noticed some of the comments, some of the, the more... There wasn't anything terribly negative, but one of the themes was, well, by the end of it, John Denver's... Uh, you know, he gets a little old. His... His uh, his sweet style runs a little thin, <laughs> right? But I'm glad you started us where you did with these because my theory on that is after decades of the variety shows that you're talking about, this was John Denver's show. The Muppets were in it with him, but it's not like they had other musical guests like all of these other shows had to do these different numbers. Right? It was essentially john denver carrying the show and i think people weren't used to that in quite that way yeah was this this was around the same time as the muppet show right uh yeah the muppet show had been on at this point and actually that's something interesting about uh a christmas together which which is the the name of the special Mm -hmm. is that there are a few moments where it's self-referential to other things which is very common now, but back then it wasn't done a whole lot. But during the special, they referenced John Denver's appearance on The Muppet Show. Uh, they referenced Miss Piggy's uh, Never Before, Never Again performance from The Muppet Movie. Oh, wow. So they're, they have essentially acknowledged that this is a... And it, look, this is too grandiose a term, but you'll get what I'm saying. They've acknowledged a shared universe of right. of these of the Muppets. Muppets projects. They're yeah. not, you know, back then very rarely did did networks or whoever care that much about tying things together in that way. Right. It was just here's this thing, let's get it out there and sell some cigarettes to people and move on. But, you know, Jim Henson, he was still very much uh over the Muppet Empire at that point, the burgeoning Henson Empire. And, you know, he, he thought about these things, and he had control and the ability to make those little differences that, that made the Muppets a cohesive world unto themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And the album has just become classic, uh, and I think that's that's helped uh, the special itself. Um, and, and, yeah, this is something I know I watched at the, at the time. And uh, and it made an impression. Certainly, if nothing else, the, uh, the 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 twelve days of Christmas is just the most fun you could have singing that song. Almost. It's the the uh, album is one of the first records that uh, that was ever considered mine. Uh, my, my mom was a huge John Denver fan, so that's we had his albums as well. But we had the big giant record cabinet that had my dad's record collection well i guess my mom and dad's record collection in it uh and then i had a few of my own that were like at the bottom right corner separated by a little bookend that were my records and i had all the muppet records and this was one of them uh and so i you know i i know and i think most people probably know this this album better than they know the actual special because when i got 
Mm. Again, I have an import copy because it's never been released in physical media in any way. Um, although it did replay on uh, the Disney Channel, it's been edited in many different forms. Uh, certain segments have been cut out. There's a segment with John Denver and some toy soldiers uh, that was never aired on the Disney Channel versions. There's a version with Michael Eisner and Kermit the Frog uh, sort of hosting it in interstitials. Uh, but it's it's never seen a home video, Laserdisc, DVD, nothing. Uh, Come so, on, Disney Plus, get on that. Uh, right, seriously. Well, it, it deserves a remaster because the, the import DVD that I have, it... it, it <laughs> It very obviously was recorded off television, and I'm thrilled right. to own it, but uh, the quality is not super. Well, and you can't tell me that this stuff is lost. Like, oh, Disney, no, it's out like, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure this is kept somewhere and, and can be uh, restored, if not. so. But um, again, because of you have the involvement of Andy Williams, John Denver, and the Muppets, and Disney. You know, at the time, the Muppets, but now Disney and i don't know what the the status is with all of those rights holders we may have another situation where andy williams wrote the songs john denver performed the songs right the muppets were involved like we it may be another mess well you know i mean as we get closer and closer to disney owning everything then hopefully right. a lot of this stuff can get cleared it up. won't matter <laughs> exactly we'll we'll just be able to order it off of disney's on and everything exactly. will be fine Yep, and then get it shipped to you know our our house on Disney Street, on in Disneyville. Um, yeah. So uh... one, one thing that I one one note that I wanted to mention about this that I thought was very interesting. Uh, Jim Henson did a number of interviews at the time about the special, and since then a lot of things have been said about the making of the special. But but one thing that really stood out to me is that twenty two new serious Muppets were made for the nativity scene at the end. Um, when they, when John Denver tells the story of Jesus and then they sing uh, Stille Nacht or Silent Night, whatever, uh, Jim Henson wanted to make sure that that scene was very respectful and was uh, they wanted he wanted to make sure that nobody felt that they were making light right of right. the nativity. So for the first time ever, they crafted twenty two serious muppets and if you look at them they're uh, over the years they have done this style of muppet before but they don't have exaggerated features they have you know small eyes they're very sort of standard puppet looking uh forms and that's the first time that they that the muppets uh, had ever done that wow that's that is really cool yeah i thought that was pretty interesting um all right so then i'm going to move ahead for uh, a couple years um, and this is, it's not really a Christmas special in the sense that, I mean, look, I've already showed my age by mentioning Bill, Big Crosby and, <laughs> and Perry Como. So, uh, so I might as well like, you know, go all in, but, um, you know, that's when I was, you know, this is still when I'm like, you know, eight, uh, nine, 10 years old, that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, as I, as we get to the eighties. Uh, things change. My life changes. Uh, you know, I'm I'm reaching that age where everything is like awesome. Um, and MTV comes along, right? Yeah. So 1981, uh, MTV has this really weird, like, kind of 
uh, holiday special thing that they do. Uh, they got Billy Squire to sing "Christmas is the time I say to sign the time to say I love you," and uh, it becomes a tradition that I think almost every year after that. I mean, certainly uh, they don't do it now because uh, they that would have involved them playing music, um, <laughs> and they just don't do that. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Billy Squire was at the top of his game at that time, and uh, it's a dopey song. It's a dopey video. But I got to say, as I get older, watching this video, uh, this was 1981. This is the first year of MTV. Um, you've got the the VJs kind of dancing along, and it's it's got this vibe. And MTV is blowing everybody's minds. It's got so much potential. Um, it's this new thing and it really, this video kind of captures that time period where MTV was so exciting. Um, and we were, we were, you know, like rock artists, uh, music, music artists of all kinds were, you know, being, being presented to us visually. Um, and yeah, cause Billy Squire never made a really good video ever. Um, <laughs> and so this is not like, you know, if you watch it, it's not a great video and it's really kind of just, it's a hokey song really, but there's something about it when I just look at it and I look at all those, those VJs and everybody like this was like, this is just a moment that was captured that I really appreciate. It's like looking through um, uh, an album and seeing that picture of a vacation or whatever, uh, or you know, uh, like your prom or something like that. Where it's like this, this is something that significantly we all took part in because we like MTV was a huge deal for a generation or two, right? Yeah, I, I would say two probably because I I think uh, I don't know where you, I don't know where you were at this time, but um, in 1981 okay. I was five, <laughs> so I was not, not yet aware <laughs> not yet aware of MTV. But I do have this video uh, for for the listeners. Most of what we're going to talk about is available in some way or another, uh, and this video is on YouTube. And I've actually got it queued oh, yeah. up now. As soon as we're done, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Um, you know, it's just, it's just a, uh, yeah, it's just one song. Cause it's like, it, they didn't really do like a whole Christmas special. Um, and, uh, you know, they would, I think, uh, after years after that, they would kind of have someone else come in and sing this song as well. I think, uh, oh, I don't know. You know, the, the folks at the time, like George Thorogood or whatever, like right, came in right. and did versions of it, you know, but, but that first one, man. I mean, MTV was the coolest of the cool, and we just really thought that this was like the thing that would change everything. And it's it is kind of sad to think of what MTV's become, uh, because back then it was it was it was a shit. Really, it was the shit. Like it really was. Uh, you know. Well, and I that's mean, you know when I discovered it, it probably. I would say 1983 is probably when MTV started to really become a thing in my life. But you're right, like that it, it was for the 80s, MTV was 100% dominant. It was the source of like everything we knew. Uh, it, it was just it, it was so important, so influential. I mean, very rarely do we have any kind of pop culture retrospective without mentioning MTV in some way. 
Right. And and unlike today, and I'm not saying better, worse, whatever, you know, that's a different topic uh, that we could discuss maybe in 2020 or sometime. But but better, worse, whatever. It, the fact of the matter is, is that MTV, like everybody, like if something was on MTV, everybody watched it. Everybody knew about it. Everybody recognized it. That's where everybody got their entertainment. There were other sources, sure. But MTV was like the primary source of pop culture entertainment uh, for uh, my generation at that time and uh, probably a few years after me, a few generations after. Um, now, of course, it's it's various. I mean, everybody's doing their own thing. There's so many different sources. No, I mean, but back then, it, it really did bring us all together because we all, it was something that we all had in common because we, we all we watched shared, We shared a common pop culture language. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and actually... We did, I think you were on that episode, right? We we did an episode about this, something like that. I think we I, we did some, talk about something like that about about I think in in reference to like whether or not like people could like celebrities could get as big as then, right? right. Like and and this topic so, absolutely came up as, as whether part or of not it. there could be something like MTV ever again, right? Like right. that would change things well, to that it was, extent. Could anybody ever be? Because I, I think where the conversation started was right. with Hulk, was Hogan. Hulk Hogan, right? Right, exactly, right. But to this point, like yes, um, so yeah, I mean, this is just uh, uh, a, a great reminder of of nineteen like that that time period because it was just magic. Um. Uh. So the other other two that I have as far as um specials, uh, we're gonna jump way ahead. Well, wait uh, before we jump way ahead. Okay, gotcha. Because All you right. you brought us into the eighties. I did, and we're gonna stay here for a minute. All right, I'm because, comfortable. I'm wearing my okay. parachute pants. Well, good. I hope and and I hope this this will uh, ring a bell with you. Uh, this was the first thing that I sought out. Now, I didn't watch it until after a few other things today because it was on YouTube and I had to sort of build myself up to watching something where the quality was this lousy. Uh, But in 1985, The Escape Clause, which was an episode of The Fall Guy, (laughs) aired. Uh, If you don't know The Fall Guy, it had the greatest theme song in television history sung by one of the greatest uh, action stars in uh, TV history. Who sang it? It was Lee Majors. Lee Majors sang the song? I didn't I know that. Belie- I believe so. I'm g- That can't be right. That's not right, is it? <laughs> I believe so. For no. the ball guy? Hang on. Am I am I am I am I challenged? I've, I've got I've got a fall guy. I apologize to the listeners. I understand typing is not entertaining. The Unknown Stuntman by Lee Majors. Oh, go. my gosh. I did not realize that. Oh, that's amazing. So, anyway, yes, uh, please, listeners, look up the Fall Guy theme song, The Unknown Stuntman. Uh, it's tremendous. And I loved this show when I was a kid. I had the Fall Guy truck. They uh, it when it was a different because they released one that came with a Colt Seaver action figure, but I didn't have that one. I just had like a diecast truck. But that truck was, <laughs> I think, the only thing cooler to me than the Fall Guy truck was the General Lee. And the only reason the General Lee was cooler 
was because Dukes of Hazard had a larger action figure line that you could put them into the General Lee. That's literally the only reason. Uh, but anyway, I love the Fall Guy. It was a fun. It's a very '80s show. It has that. It's your typical '80s action show where you get one car chase per episode. Uh, you get one slugfest. That it's funny because I, I imagine people in 1985 watching this show and being like, "Man, that fight looks really good." Not yeah. like that. Not like that old Batman show that used to be on. When in reality, the fight <laughs> looks exactly the same as the old Batman show. It really does. Uh, but in this this episode, there is a uh, a criminal on the run from his criminal buddies, and he happens to run into a mall Santa, and uh, knowing he can't get away, he gives the mall Santa uh, the key to a lockbox that has twenty thousand dollars or whatever in bearer bonds in it. But this mall Santa, there's a little more the, to him than meets the eye. And it's one of my favorite Christmas special tropes. Really? The, oh, dude. The, the, well, this here's the trope. It's the old, is this guy crazy or is he really Santa? Which was done on Night Court. Uh, was, right. it's, it's been done on a lot. It was done a lot in the 80s. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, the, basis the, basis for for miracle, it's the basis for Miracle right. on 34th right. Street. Exactly. That, that, I mean, that's it's, it's classic. I love it. And surprisingly, the Fall Guy, which among its '80s action show contemporaries was relatively more grounded. I don't want to say more serious because they're all just fun, goofy shows, but a uh, little more serious than Knight Rider, uh, while while still being fun. But they went with this guy's actually magical. So over the course of the episode, Chris Winter, who is the mall Santa, is trying to say he wants to get this money so he can save an orphanage. Because, of course, uh, there's an evil criminal guy named Max who's out to get the money and that darn Santa. Uh, and Colt Seaver and his pals have to have to They're initially they're because Colt Seaver's a bail bondsman. That's the premise of the show. He's a stuntman, but. In the off season, he's a bail bondsman, so he he takes contracts from the court and goes uh, and tracks down people who haven't shown up for their court cases. Uh, and results in all kinds of crazy shenanigans. Man, you don't. It, it, it's like, hmm, how could they think of a like a better badass character than a guy who's got who's like half bionic, right? Part bionic. I know he's part stuntman, part bounty part, hunter, right? <laughs> So they go. Awesome. Oh, it's it's fantastic! I love this show, and I cannot believe it's not more widely available somewhere. Considering everything that's out there, but I feel like it's kind of one of the forgotten. Everybody talks about Knight Rider and A Team, and and even Dukes of Hazard. Nobody ever talks about the Fall Guy, and it's so much fun. And it's it's Lee Majors, uh, who recently saw his revival thanks to Ash versus the Evil Dead. But anyway, uh, back to the the Escape Clause. So Colt and his buddies go to bring Chris Winter in, and of course he's at the orphanage playing Santa. Or he's not at the orphanage; he's he's playing Santa. A bunch of kids are in line, and Colt's like, "Well, we got to go get him." And his pals are like, "No, come on, that's terrible. We can't arrest Santa." And he's like, "That's the law." Goes up to Santa, and Santa's like, "Oh, I told them I'd come back in after Christmas was over." <laughs> and uh, over the course of the episode. 
actual literal magical things happen. Santa changes traffic lights, uh, makes a car run, uh, makes a dead, like, never-gonna-run-again car with the power of his Santa magic, uh, all kinds of stuff. And he wins over Colt and his buddies, and they help him get the the bonds so he can save the orphanage. And it's 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 great. It's a fun, heartwarming, action packed, very very eighties with stereotypical like mafia type dudes. It's just awesome, and it's on YouTube. But the version you're going to find on YouTube when it starts, the credits are in French. So it makes me wonder if this is from, like, Montreal or something. Because the episode is in English with, with English language and everything, but the credits are French. So I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this in French. But then they start talking, and it's all English. But it's it's so much fun. I recommend it for anybody who, who likes, like, just fun action 80s stuff. It's great. The uh, I'll have to check, because if this is the first season, because it only was two seasons... This uh, is... 19- oh, no, actually, it went to three seasons. Uh, oh, four. Wow, holy crap. How long did this show go? Five? Okay. This is, the, this is the fifth season. It's episode eight. Gotcha. Because I don't think all of the seasons have been released. But if there's one person that uh, we both know that would have it if it was released, and that would be the award-winning writer Bobby Nash. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely... He uh, he loves this kind of stuff, uh, and uh, yeah. So I might uh, I might pick his brain to see if he's got this one because I'm curious about it too. Dude, it's so much fun. I I just sat here for for I I didn't look at my phone once. It's you know because it's a it's tight forty two minutes. It's easy enough, and and it's it's a blast. Um. Well, and just to see like Heather Thomas again, and and uh, and Marky Post. So man, that's a that brings back memories as well. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of Night Court, yes, and Night Court has a uh, some Christmas specials that they are Christmas themed yeah, ones that they've done as well. They do, and I didn't have time to go back for any of those. I've I've got a whole list of stuff that I just didn't make it to before. Yeah, I mean, well, there's like yeah, look, like if we try to name every single oh, you yeah, know Christmas themed show. That would be crazy. We, we've um, got to save something for next year. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, to the point where, okay, so um, I, I was kind of sticking just with the, the variety specials, but um, if we're going to bleed into, like, you know, Christmas-themed actual shows. Oh, yeah, man. Any, any Christmas on TV is fair game. So... Uh, before we can, so um, I'm going to have to go back, take a couple steps back, even but back before the 70s. Not that I saw it when it aired, because I was not alive then. <laughs> uh, but uh, I make it a point to say, and this might be, you know, and and look, I you know, I think also, I think we'll probably table all of the 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 regular specials, the the, the one timer, like the 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 Snoopy, one, you know, the Peanuts ones and the and the Rankin Bass ones, because like, look, everybody talks about. Those, yeah, right? I didn't even write any of those down. And if anybody right. wants to hear about Rankin Bass, I actually have an interview yes. with the official Rankin Bass historian from a couple months. Very ago. good interview. Very good interview. I recommend people check that out because I listened to that, and uh, Rick is uh, a great guy. I wish I got the chance to talk to him at Dragon Con, but. Um, I hope he comes back. He seemed to have a good time, so I'm hoping he comes back this year. Um, but um, so I'm going to go back to 1965. 
uh, Christmas with the Adams Family. Uh, oh, this, it's on my list. This is uh, this is great. Now I'm there are like three or four shows in the sixty that were in the mid sixties that I just love. They're my favorite. Like they easily make my top ten, maybe my top five show TV shows of all time. One is uh, Batman, of course. Batman sixty six is known as uh, commonly this time. Uh, at, at currently, uh, but you know they never really did anything Christmassy that I can. Re- yeah, I don't think so. So uh, at least not intentionally. They Which had- seems weird. You'd think a Christmas themed criminal. Well, I mean, just using Mister Freeze, right? Sure, like, sure, uh, sure. But uh, and you know who wouldn't want to see Christmas with the Joker, right? That would be amazing. Well, fortunately, uh, we have Batman the Animated Series fulfilled yes. that. Yes, and, we do. And right. there's also, and it, I didn't get around to revisiting it, so I'll just mention it here. Uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold did uh, an yeah. episode, what was it called, Night of a Thousand Santas or something? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, Batman's got a pretty good, and look, those... Oh, Invasion of the Secret Santas. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, that's awesome. Um... Yeah, I didn't even think about, you know, I didn't even dip my toe into animated stuff uh, as far as Christmas goes because, well, I'll get to those in a bit. But, sure, um, sure. Uh, so, um, it, so, yeah, so Batman didn't have a Christmas uh, episode. Uh, Star Trek didn't have a Christmas episode. Uh, too they, sciencey, I guess. They had a Christmas episode. Sure, sure. Um, but, but, Cat's, so that's. Cat's Paw, I think it's called. That was more of a Halloween one. Was it a hell? Okay, wait. That's not what I'm thinking of. Then. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Neither one of us looked at it. So, <laughs> moving along. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, and the uh, one of the other series that I love from that time period is uh, is the Adams Family. Now, uh, the second season, they they decided to acknowledge holidays, so they came out with a hol- They came out with a Halloween episode, which seems like every episode for them. <laughs> um. And uh, they had a Christmas episode, you know, Christmas with the Adams Family, and this one is is really fun. Uh, it's got all of your typical um, uh, Adams Family stuff that they have to get in, you know. But also, just it's uh, I think Morticia in particular is like a standout in this. I think she actually even sings, um, but uh, because of the kids. Um, uh, Actually, actually, also, this is interesting, too. There seems to be, even though with, because this dawned on me, too, even though Adams is spooky and is obviously uh, connected to Halloween, it's amazing to me that there's also been this connection with the Adams Family and Christmas. Um, the original cartoons have some, some of the most famous ones of those uh, are Christmas-themed. Uh, well, the, I one just of the, saw one today of uh, Morticia and, and Gomez. They're looking out the window, and she's saying something along the lines of, I don't know what it is, but I can't help but feeling cheerful or something like that. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, it, it's just such a contrast. I think that's what makes it so beautiful. Like the, the, the really famous one, and they actually do this in one of the movies, where the carolers are down there singing, and the Adams family is on the roof with a big yes. pot, pot of uh, <laughs> of boiling oil. Yes, 
about to turn on him. So there's that uh, image, which is just amazing. That was done in one of the movies. And a lot of people don't know that uh, actually they tried to integrate a lot of the cartoons in the show. And the Christmas one actually has, I think, I want to say two or three. There's one where Pugsley and Wensley start a fire in the fireplace, and they're watching it because they want to see Santa burn. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not said outright, but it's kind of like, if you if you know the joke, uh, it's, sure, it's sure. really funny. Um, I think there's another one where Gomez and Marticia are literally, like, trimming the tree, so it's not, there's no, like, foliage or, like, decorations on it at all. They're stripping it bare or whatever. Um... And so there's a lot of jokes like that, but then of course, like you know, it, it's 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 a '60s sitcom, so it's got to have its uh, heartwarming moments. And uh, and and the fact that I think almost all the family members, I know Gomez and Uncle Fester, uh, try to bring Santa to the kids, so they they both dress up uh, as uh, Santa. I think even Lurch does too. Uh, to try to bring Santa uh, like Christmas magic to the kids, and it's just it's cute, it's adorable, it's it's it, but it's the Adams family at Christmas, and and there's something really cool about that about that contrast. And again, all of uh, all of the Adams family is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, yes, I have them all on on DVD, but yes, I think they are available as well. So, so yes, check those out. Um, I think is that the earliest thing I have? That might be the earliest special i have uh the by the way the other 60 series that i love uh as well is get smart and they did do a couple of christmasy type things but to be honest i i just they don't hold as much memories for me i guess and sure i'm gonna i'm I actually i'm thinking about making it a point because i own that series as well to dig those out in particular to uh to watch those this season to see if they are if they hold up you know well that's uh part of what i did today because not not everything is available on streaming services, and I, and I had to dig into my DVD collection uh, for some of my selections, which uh, I did go into animation a good bit because some of my favorite, you know, we've you and I both grew up with Christmas specials, Christmas episodes being a thing, being a part of the holiday season, and for me. Uh, you know, we've talked about cartoons and animation over and over and over again on this show, and those special Christmas episodes of the classic 80s, 80s cartoons were such a big deal to me because I loved G.I. Joe, Real Ghostbusters, like all of those shows, I loved them so much, but then when they did a Christmas episode, that felt like something extra special because they're putting two things that I really love together. And uh, I, I'm going to throw a few things out there, and I want to know if you if you remember or if or if you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that being a thing. Uh, so, one of the ones I watched today was an episode of GI Joe: Real American Hero hmm. called Cobra Claws Are Coming to Town. Now, if you know, Cobra Claws are the hang gliders that the Cobras used in the cartoon. Uh, they used them a lot because it was uh, one of the cheaper toys. So it was a good motivation. Like, as a kid watching the cartoon, you're like, oh my gosh, Cobra's got like a, a hundred of those hang glider things. I got to get some of those. Uh, but anyway, Cobra Claws are coming to town. And basically, the premise is the Joes are going and picking up 
toy donations, and it's basically Toys for Tots. They don't call it that, but that's what it is. Uh, to bring them back to Joe headquarters, and then they'll send them all out the next day. Well, Cobra, being Cobra, has snuck some miniaturized uh, evil toys into the toy donations in order to sneak themselves into G.I. Joe headquarters. Now, the end of the plan is not they're going to regrow themselves and go out and just murder all the Joes, because that's not how Cobra works. Right. Cobra's plan, once they're in G.I. Joe headquarters, they are going to grow themselves back up again, unshrink themselves, take command of all of the G.I. Joe vehicles, and attack a nearby town in order to destabilize G.I. Joe's position as the defenders of American freedom. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> so, uh, it is a very Christmassy episode. There are Christmas trees all over the place. Uh, there is a Christmas dinner in the G.I. Joe headquarters with the Joes that uh, did not get to go on leave and had to remain behind. Roadblock makes a big-ass turkey. Uh, and, and, of course, in the end, G.I. Joe wins and Christmas is happy and everything is wonderful. Uh, but it's it's great. It's wonderful. Uh, you cannot go wrong with the Christmas episode of literally any '80s cartoon. Uh, yeah, I I would think so. Um, I, I guess I I don't. I'm not as familiar with those because I don't think I was watching a lot of award-winning Bobby Nash. Yeah, would hey. be on board with me on this one. So so really, I think we're just you know the, you really should have had the award-winning Bobby Nash on this, uh, this episode. So <laughs> I'll remember that I, next I think, year. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, um, a, a couple more animated, uh, just real quick, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Real Ghostbusters did a Christmas episode called Xmas Marks the Spot. Uh, if you know the Real Ghostbusters cartoon, you know that J. Michael Straczynski wrote a lot of episodes of Real Ghostbusters. And the DVDs that were released that collect the real Ghostbusters have interviews with Straczynski and the other writers and creators and character designers. And sometimes they actually will do introductions for specific episodes. It's a really good uh, collection to have. Like, it's worth having for the special features. And in Straczynski's introduction for Xmas Marks the Spot, uh, which, and now I'm realizing there are two instances where it's okay to say Xmas. Uh, this is one of them because they're using it as a play on X marks the spot. But Straczynski says that he's a huge fan of Charles Dickens uh, and that what he did with this episode, which is one of his favorites that he wrote, is he put himself in the place of Peter Venkman to sort of ask a lot of the questions that he had about Christmas. And over the course of the episode, the Ghostbusters travel back in time because that's a thing that they do in their cartoon. And they accidentally capture the three spirits that were supposed to visit Ebenezer Scrooge. Then they get back to the present day, they right. discover that Scrooge has all but eliminated Christmas from the world. <laughs> wow. Because he was not visited by those because, three spirits. Yes. Well, I think, yeah, the, the ghosts of Christmas and Ghostbusters, yeah, that's... It's a, perfect. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's that's, a... It's a really fun episode, and uh, Peter Venkman starts off the episode as a 
I don't care about Christmas, it's just another day. And over the course of the episode, he discovers the magic of the season. Uh, but there's a really cool segment where Egon has to put on a special suit so that he can go into the ghost containment unit to get the Spirits of Christmas back out so that they can go back in time and give Ebenezer Scrooge his horrible night that changed his whole entire life and restore Christmas to the world. Uh, And you get to see all of the ghosts, or a lot of the ghosts, that have actually been on the series up to that point, including Sam Hain from a couple of the Halloween episodes. Uh, So that was really neat to go into the containment unit and see all of these spirits that they've been collecting over the course of the series. Nice. I like that. Yeah, it's it's a very, very good episode. And like I said, that man's J. Michael Straczynski. He's a very good writer. It's so funny how many good writers came out of these 80s uh, cartoon shows. And then uh, the la- before we move on, the last one I have to mention, and it sort of defies description, so I'm just going to say if you can track down uh, the Tick animated series. Oh, that's what I was going to mention. 1995. Oh, you, it's on your list? Okay, we'll we'll leave it for later then. <laughs> the, and in the, well, we can talk about it now. The Tick Loves Santa. The Tick Loves Santa. This is, like, Tick is one of my favorite cartoons ever. You, uh, you and I both have that Dark Knight Returns Tick shirt. Yes, we do. Yes. Um, and, uh, and oh, man, meeting meeting uh, Townsend Coleman was uh, the fact that Townsend Coleman and Kevin Conroy were at the same event in Atlanta this past summer is yeah. just blows my mind. Yeah. I can't think of two more uh, two voices that uh uh impacted me on animated shows ever if frank welker had been there as well my head would have just exploded uh so uh tick love santa the 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 plot is is you know typically silly tick stuff but um you know it's basically tick they run tick and arthur doing their rounds they run across santa stealing something an an evil criminal who has stolen a santa suit from a salvation army santa has made electric clones of himself no no well absolutely well that's the thing he doesn't like okay so the the police are chasing santa and the tick follows along because he's trying to save him like why are they you know right 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 like why are they going after santa because he's you know, he's that simple-minded uh, fool we all love. And in the the chase sequence, like, uh, he, like, Santa falls into a neon sign and is fried. Now, Tick believes he killed Santa. Yes. Um, but instead of killing him, of course, it's a cartoon. It's the Tick. Um, so instead of killing him, all of a sudden, multiple Santas uh, begin, like, cl- electric clones of Santa, of this crook Santa, begin to uh like uh, just come out of this and there's go they go on a crime spree and they start attacking the city one of the the best lines of the show is when tick goes back to his apartment where they're having the christmas party which is another neat thing about this episode is you see all of the like supporting cast yep oh yeah in the episode you get to see american maid and deflator mouse and sewer urchin he goes back to the apartment and 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 they're trying to explain and we don't we don't, uh, you know, within this fictional world, obviously, there is no Santa Claus, these characters think, because it's a cartoon and it's ridiculousness, and they're telling the tick that there's no Santa Claus, and he goes, I know because I fried him! Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the, I love the fact that the heroes, like, they, they go to try to stop the Santas, but they get their, their ass handed to them, because the tick won't 
spike because right. he's like, I can't Santa. hit Santa. <laughs> and so they get their butt kicked. One of my favorite lines is from Deflator Mouse, who's like, so, Tick, that was an interesting strategy. You know, the one where you just uh, stood there in the middle of the fight and did absolutely nothing while the rest of us got creamed. <laughs> um, and then uh, the real Santa... Uh, we see the real Santa with all his, uh, his uh, elf little secret service. service, right? Which is just brilliant. Uh, says, you know, convinces Tick that he's got to stop them. He still doesn't know what to do, but fortunately, they can be destroyed by uh, static electricity. So um, that's the that's these clone Santa's weakness, and so they just rub them together. <laughs> they poof, disappear. And uh, Christmas is saved. It's It's brilliant. It's so much fun. It is in in you know it's a season two episode and like i don't know if there's a bad episode of the tick in my opinion but this is one of the best this is a absolute five star like every part of this is just a riot uh it's it's really fun if if nobody has ever seen an episode of the tick this is not a bad one to start with i agree well and that's the other cool thing about christmas episodes is they do tend to be a good point because you if you're a fan of Christmas, you already have a touchstone for watching and enjoying the episode. So it's a good way to introduce you to the world and the characters that the Christmas is happening in. I think in general Christmas episodes are, are probably a decent starting point. Yeah. No, absolutely. Although although sometimes, you know, it's a it's a hit or miss. I mean Sometimes I think, you know, a lot of times the, the like series will use Christmas as a, I don't know, I don't want to say a crutch, but it just becomes like lazy. Um, and so they're not as good or it's difficult to sort well, of yeah, it depends jam on the that, that, that sort of Christmas, Christmas content into a normal episode of something, you know. So you do get a lot of, you do see a lot of uh, shows use like, traditional christmas stories to tell a version of it you know we get like you mentioned christmas carol uh with ghostbusters you get we see various versions of christmas carol we see various uh, versions over the years of gift of the magi uh we see various versions of it's a wonderful life i think one of the most famous ones of those is it's a bundleful life uh married with children uh i know that's the one that bobby nash loves uh since we're putting his stuff over too tonight um uh, and and you know so I you see like a lot of shows will do spins spinoffs on that in order to sort of sort of make it a little bit easier or palatable to do a, a show on Christmas. The I just it was a great animated series that I mean the Tick was and it made good use of its Christmas episode. It wasn't lazy, uh, and you're right. It's a bundleful life. Like I feel like if it's overall a good show then its Christmas episode is a good starting point. But if it's something that maybe had ups and downs or was mediocre at times, then you're right. Then the Christmas episode it could, have been a, it could have been a crutch. Yeah, sometimes it was. Uh, you know, that's why when I, you know, granted, my memory's getting worse every every minute. But uh, uh, but when I look back, you know, even though there was some great, I, you know, I was, I was a TV baby. I grew up watching all sorts of television. And I'm sure that a lot of them did, you know, Christmas-themed episodes. I mean, I watched, 
I, I can't believe over the decade that I watched Happy Days that they didn't do like a bazillion Christmas al- uh, episodes. But to be honest, I can't remember any of them being of any significance. Right? Mike Gordon, my friend, let me just tell you. Do you earlier, have a Happy Days one on there? Earlier, just a few hours ago. Okay, so for, for you and for the listeners, uh, if you go onto YouTube and put in, well, I put in 80s Christmas specials, and I found several different playlists that were just compilations of Christmas episodes of television shows. Okay. And I yeah. found one that had Happy Days, Ozzy and Harriet, Car 54, Where Are You, um... Beverly Hillbillies. There were seventy-four different episodes in this playlist. I was going to say, I would imagine everybody did. Like Gilligan's Island probably did right, one, right? But you know? I watched. It wasn't Happy Days. It was Happy Days again, which I'm not. Oh. What? Oh, it, I, but it well, but it it seemed like it was just an episode of Happy Days. Like, yeah, I I, Happy Days again was. Yeah, what, I think. What, the, what was it? I don't know. I think it was the oh I'd have to look it up but I think it was the later seasons of Happy Days which really didn't have I think I think I had the Fonz and like appearances by Mr. And Mrs. Cunningham but maybe that was about it or well, something every, I, I everybody know. was in this episode it it had Richie and Joni and and oh, wow. uh, what's his name Mouth Ralph the Mouth and like Everybody that I remembered from Happy Days was in this. Al shows up, uh, but it's uh, the they're having Christmas, and and uh, Mister Cunningham brings home this new thing from the hardware store. It's it's an aluminum tree imported from Taiwan or something, <laughs> and uh, they all hate the aluminum tree. And over the course of the episode, everybody that comes over knows that like Joni hates the aluminum tree so they're all bringing her trees so by the end of the episode they have like 10 christmas trees in the cunningham living room uh but the big focal point of the episode is fonzie gets a gift from his dad who he who he hasn't seen since he's three years old and who he you know has hard feelings towards because he hasn't seen him and he thinks he's to blame like it's a really i don't remember the fonz ever really having big emotional episodes but this one, like, it really deals with his feelings and his emotions. It was it was a good episode. I enjoyed watching it. And I'm not, like, when I was a kid, I really liked Happy Days. But since then, I, I you know, it's not it's not anything that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a big Happy Days fan. Put put me on that Dragon Con Happy Days fanal, uh, panel. Um, I, I have to say that I guess I, I, mu- I must, I was, because I watched it, you know, almost without fail every Tuesday, you yeah. know, it was, it was like happy days, Laverne and Shirley, uh, three's company. Uh, sometimes I dip my toe in a taxi, but usually I went to bed. Um, but, uh, that was like it for, I mean, it was just a standard thing that you watched. Um, I don't think we had it like, we never really thought about, it. do you like it or not? This is just what you yeah, watched, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, um, by the way, because it was bugging me, uh, not to be that guy, but I had to look it up because I was just curious, uh, Because and I should have remembered this, is that when reruns for Happy Days first went into syndication, uh, while the series was still producing new ones, the reruns were retitled Happy Days again so they wouldn't okay. be confused with the new ones. That's, and that's what it felt like to me. It, like, it felt like just a regular Happy Days episode, so I didn't understand the again 
on there. Yeah, because so they sense. they were yeah they were just they repackaged them uh, just to put them in syndication. Okay, and like I said, so they didn't so you didn't have like two channels that were showing Happy Days. You know, one was showing Happy Days, which was the new episodes, and one was showing Happy Days again. You know, because back then we all wanted you didn't want to make sure that your DVR was getting confused, right? So. <laughs> Well, this was um, I. W- th- this was on YouTube, like I said, and uh, what what I really liked about this is it was very clearly recorded off the television, but all the commercials yeah. were left in. Right, so it must have been somebody recorded off of uh, a rerun, a Chicago uh, off then, of a uh, Chicago station. Yeah, yeah. So. so it was, but it was it was a fun watch. I I enjoyed it. Um, Ron Howard is like. <laughs> way more charming than I really remembered him being. Uh, and Mrs. Cunningham's kind of hot. Yeah, that's uh, okay. I, I, You know what? Probably as I get older, it's probably like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yes, right, exactly. And that's what it is. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun one. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, speaking of which, I, I want to dial back just uh, a bit because uh, – when you were talking about the fall guy, I was looking something up and uh, about How dare like, you. I know I have to go back and uh, <laughs> we're talking about reruns, right? So uh, fall guy again, right? So, um, uh, but you had mentioned that uh, the John Denver Memphis special got into some you know legal stuff because of Paul Williams, right? Because he he did a lot well, of stuff I with think that. I said Andy Williams like fifty times, and I meant Paul Williams. That's all right. Christmas episode, Christmas specials. Andy Williams did a ton of those. It's easy to uh, understand why you got confused. But, but anyway, um, here's the thing that, uh, according to the internet, which is never wrong, uh, mm-hmm. it says here um, the D- when when the first uh, season of Fall Guy was released on DVD, it contained music substitutions, of course, due to copyright reasons. Sure, sure. And then it said, as well as completely editing out the sequences with actor-singer Paul Williams in the pilot. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what is up with Paul Williams that he's such a dick about being like, about having like copyright stuff go out without like making it difficult for things? Wow. Huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it's apparently, very, you know, he'll Paul show Williams, up. He'll show up anywhere, but he won't <laughs> let you use it. No, no, you got to pay him if you want to use it. That's right. That's how he. That's how Paul gets his money. Uh, well, uh, one, one more that I wanted to bring up, and this this is not uh, part of a regular series. This is an actual special, and one that uh, certainly when I was a kid, I thought that it would end up being up there with the Rankin-Bass specials, with the uh, with with the Charlie Brown Christmas and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's because, to me, Bloom County was the greatest. Uh, that comic strip meant so much to me when I was young. I, I read it every single Sunday when they stopped carrying Outland in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. My grandmother would actually cut them out of their paper and mail them to me. Uh, I just, I love Burke Breathed. I love Bloom County. I love Opus. So when A Wish for Wings That Work, which was Berkeley Breathed's very first uh, illustrated children's book, was adapted into an animated special, 
at the time, I was excited as I've ever been in my life. This was 1991. Uh, I would have been 14, 89 to 15. I would have been 15 years old. So at that point, I'd been reading Bloom County uh, for five, six years, probably right around there. I, I started reading those strips and collecting those books uh, before I really understood most of the humor. But it was a literal dream come true that finally Bloom County, the sort of bastard child of comic strips, was getting animated. Because back then, Peanuts got animated. Like everything, mm-hmm. all of the comic strips got movies and cartoons and series. Garfield, Heathcliff. Uh, Heathcliff. Heathcliff had a show for yep goodness sake because uh, i'm trying to keep it clean for our christmas episode <laughs> so well, you mentioned Heathcliff. so for years it had been outrageous to me that bloom county had never seen animation uh in 1991 this special was released and i didn't love it but i loved bloom county so much that i made myself love it if that makes sense uh now you've i'm guessing you've seen well i don't know if you you're you're a fan of bloom county right i am i can remember when it uh first uh you know started appearing in papers and it couldn't like in our area it didn't get um a release in a daily paper because uh berkeley couldn't get that couldn't break that wall right so uh it was in one of the free papers that came out weekly and what they did was the whole back page was all of them for the week um so i ate that stuff up i thought it was to me it was it was doonesbury but it spoke to me like it was yes, like yes like it was like a, like a, you know doonesbury junior if you will but it wasn't like you know dumbed down it was but it but it referenced like star wars and it referenced like it was you know berkeley was my you know it was talking to me you know yeah, it was he, all about the he, stuff that i dug he was on our pop culture wavelength yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, even though it was political, it wasn't as, like, steeply adult political like, like Doonesbury was. It, well, it was more It was more general. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, it would reference current events, but right. it would put them in the context of that world. And it was much sillier. Like, yes, you yes. Know, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Doonesbury was much more. But I thought that the cartooning style was similar, at least to start with. So, uh, the animated special airs on cbs uh it is called opus and bill a wish for wings that work because opus and bill the cat were you know at that point fairly marketable i mean there were plush toys and their t-shirts they they had a presence in the pop culture lexicon so they they threw that on there and uh i i hated opus's voice in that and you know with apologies to uh Oh gosh, where did he go? I had it written down here, and I don't know where it went. Uh, but I, I, Opus's voice was not at all what I pictured or what I'd thought of as Opus's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like some of it was a little more crass than it needed to be, and it just—it it didn't. I was happy to see it, but I wasn't happy with it. Right, I know what you mean, and. I'm not the only one. I only recently discovered this in, in doing my research for this episode. Uh, Berkeley Breathed uh, hates it. 
<laughs> and I have here some quotes that he has about this. And if you're familiar with, with him, he's pretty straightforward. He doesn't pull punches, especially about his own work. And uh, here we go. Asked in a 2003 Washington Post interview where a copy of the special could be found on VHS or DVD, Breathed replied, Hopefully in the rubbish pail. We can do better than that, and we will with an eventual Opus film. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I presume your family was on speed when they watched it. I imagine that would help. Uh, That sounds like uh, Berkeley and George have something in common. (laughs) So uh, the director, Skip, Skip Jones uh, apparently took a lot of liberties in creating the special, deviated a lot from from not just uh, the book itself, but from the tone of Berkeley's work in general. Uh, And here's another quote about that. Uh, The director, who was fired, managed to sprinkle a profane cornucopia of inappropriate flotsam around in the show. Find a moldy DVD and check out the opening credit sequence. Watch the snowy hills during the pan. Some of them aren't hills, and that train track isn't really going into a train tunnel, unless it's Sigmund Freud's. It's pretty funny now, I guess. Imagine how funny it was when we initially spotted it during final mixing, six days before network broadcast. Keep in mind, this was a Steven Spielberg production of a family Christmas show. I tried but failed to imagine Steven believing me when I tried to disclaim authorship of a woman's snow anus in the countryside or the sign in the window of the store that said, For sale cheap, Santa's balls. Too late to change. This was the pre-digital age. We courageously let it go without telling anyone. I'm glad I'm telling this in a trade magazine, and I can feel safe that it won't be going out on the Internet thing. (laughs) Uh, Too late. So it's actually reassuring to know that it's not like, Breathed, who who I grew up, he was one of the creators that I knew before I really t- was taking note of creators. Because, you know, if you're a fan of comic strips, the name was always there. Like, you knew who did those comic strips. Uh, and I'm glad to know that this wasn't his vision and that the things that I don't like about this, he also does not like about them. Uh, one of the big things was that he wanted Sterling Holloway to voice Opus. And uh, if you know Sterling Holloway, he worked for Disney for decades. He was the original voice of Winnie the Pooh. And I can imagine, yes, that would have been great. Um, that makes sense to me. So uh, I went back and revisited this. It's available on YouTube. I used to have it, uh, and I don't know what happened to it. It's one of those things that in one of my many moves it disappeared. But, uh, you know, I can enjoy it now because it is uh, stylistically, like visually, it is very true to Berkeley Brothers' style. The characters look right. Uh, There are some good jokes. It is fun. And I, you know, now I have some distance where it's not as crucial to me as it once was. Because I'll tell you, watching this, I thought great now that this has happened any day now we're going to get that bloom county animated series that i've been waiting for for so long like that was a lock to me right oops yeah uh so i mean i you know it's it's out there and and i've watched it and i I just feel bad for for 
Berkeley Everyone. because this didn't go right. Mars Needs Moms didn't go right. Uh, he has not had a lot of success with people adapting his work, and I think it's a damn shame because it's, uh, for me, it's it's at the very top of my my selection of pop culture fondness. You know, I I don't I don't think he has mentioned it specifically, but it's things like that where I I don't blame guys like Bill Waterston for not doing any like not wanting right. any part stuff like that. Right, right. Like like you know, Bill's like, nope, no merchandise, no like it's just a comic strip. Calvin Hobbes will always just be a comic strip. It existed. That's it. Like, don't do anything else with it. Um, and uh, you know, you, you want to keep it pure. Yeah, I to- and, and that's you're you're one hundred percent right. For anybody that doesn't understand why you can't buy Calvin and Hobbes action figures, watch <laughs> A Wish for Wings That Work. Watch <laughs> Watch Mars Needs Moms uh and understand why creators may not want other people meddling with their work. Yeah, when Christmas specials go bad. Yeah. Um and it's, I mean, uh, look, I can't, I can't call it bad, but it's disappointing if you're a fan of Bloom County. Gotcha. Well, it's one that I, believe it or not, I have not seen, uh, but it's not oh, wow. uh, one that I probably will see at all. Um, I don't know. I think I must have gotten wind that it was not good, so I just decided to avoid that because uh, I loved Bloom County so much. Um, I know it sounds weird, but... Um, and I think it. When did it air? Ninety one. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's when I was uh, college, trying to make my. I just graduated from college, trying to make my way. Yeah, that's. That, I, that's at a time period where I wasn't. I was. I probably didn't even know it was out until. Right. Right. Yeah. For a while, and by then it was like can't find it because Berkeley Berkeley's out there destroying all the copies. Uh, of it. Yeah. So. Um. But. Uh, I will say if we are allowed to move on, and I think that might be my last one, um, but because I was trying to think of something more recent, right? Like, okay, so there must be some recent Christmas special that I've seen, or some Christmas story in a in a show that's I've seen that's like like I, I really uh, like a lot. And it's uh, you know it's one of those things where I'm like, really, the most recent thing I can think of was something that aired 20 years ago, um, <laughs> right? But this would be uh, Futurama. Uh, oh, with, yeah, uh, yeah. X, which, uh, Xmas Story. This is another X. But uh, Xmas Story, which turns out to be like, you know, I think it's actually a trilogy at this point of robot Santa stories. And the idea of uh, robot Santa, for those people who don't know, uh, in the future, uh, like the 28th, uh, 28th century or something like that, uh, the Friendly Robot Company uh, develops a version of uh, Santa, St. Nicholas, right, to determine, like, who's been naughty night. They're going to automate the, 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 the process, and they're going to bring kids like real Santa. So their their intentions are good, but due to programming error, uh, the, the, the robot uh, Santa turns into a mad murderer because his standards for what is a good person or a good kid is, is too high. So, I mean, he doesn't give out coal. He slaughters anybody who's been naughty. <laughs> so, so, uh, so in the future, every Christmas Eve, you know, when Fry kind of gets thrown there, because uh, Fry is, you know, from our time, he gets thrown to the future, 
So he's all like, oh, this is the first, right from the first season. As a matter of fact, I understand this is the second story that, uh, um, what's his name? Um, oh, man, the guy who did, oh, Matt Groening, right? Oh, and, okay. and And David Cohen, who did Futurama. Uh, this is the first, like, one of the second stories they pitched to Fox, like, to sell this show. Um, and... Uh, so uh, so this is very early on, but so Far- uh, Fry is uh, catapulted to the future. He's like Christmas is coming and he's really excited and everybody else is like, you're crazy. Like Christmas is like the worst, like it's the worst thing ever. It's just a terrifying time for people because this robotic Santa goes on this spree and you cannot be seen out and about because he will come and he will hunt you down and kill you. And it's it's. It's a hilarious take on on the whole Saint Nicholas thing, and done in you know typical Futurama style. And uh, there's even a gift of the Magi kind of storyline between, um, uh, I think, uh, the gift exchange between um, Zoiberg and uh, Xavier. I think right, Xavier, right? Is that his name? Uh, um, but uh, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. And like I said, there leads to some others. Uh, some other tale of two Santas, I think, is uh, is the next one in the series, and I think there's three total, but uh, they're they're really fun. Yeah, that's I've got the uh, the Christmas song from that is in my playlist. Santa but, Claus is gunning you down. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It's a fun episode. It's a great episode of the show. Uh, I'm not. I like Futurama. I don't love Futurama. But like it's eminently watchable. If if it just came on, I would sit and watch it. There's times where I like it's something that it's weird. It's it's something that I love or I feel like I should love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then I watch it and I'm like, I love this. But then if I'm not watching it, if I'm not, I don't like I don't remember to watch it. I don't like it's just one of those things that's just really strange. It's like whenever we intersect, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Futurama. That's awesome. But I, you know, I don't record it. I haven't watched every single episode. I mean, I they're available. They're they're streaming. They're they're probably going to be on Disney Plus at some point, or maybe Hulu. I don't know which ones they're going to be on. But in any case, um, you know, there it's a great series. Uh, I have a blast every time I watch it. There are very few that I've seen that I'm like, eh. Most of them are just brilliant, and yet for some reason it's not an appointment TV for me. I'm I'm pretty much in that same boat. It's weird. Uh, I don't I don't know why I don't have more attachment to it. But it, <laughs> it's I one of those don't. things that like you know it's like one of those things where like someone that goes oh you're gonna love this right because they they know you and yes there's something that they found that checks all the boxes, but for some reason when you hear it listen to it watch it what have you you're just like there's something missing. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you can put your finger on it, sometimes you can't. I haven't really put my finger on exactly why, you know, uh, Futurama and I don't, like, get along in the same space, but, uh, or share the same space very often. But uh, maybe at some point I will. I don't know. It's it's, it's glad to know I, that I, it's always there. I think it's great, but I don't seek it out. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah, I, I guess, I think sometimes, I think sometimes our... Our our cup is just runneth over, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. just and and if something is checking all the boxes, that's fine. But when you've got other things that are already checking those boxes that you love and you don't want to give up, then is no matter how good, 
you know how no matter how good that like that cheesecake is, you're just like no no I'm full with everything else I ate right well, like I just can't fit anything else in me. And I think another part of it is that while I like all of the characters, I'm not attached to any of them. Mm. There's not any single character that I'm like I cannot wait to see what so and so is up to they're all they're all solid good funny voices but there's not one that speaks to me i can see that i can see that well i mike i appreciate your attempt to bring us up to date (laughs) despite the fact that it fell 20 years short Uh, i can't think of anything even more remotely more recent i'm i'm gonna throw one out there from this year oh wow uh, and I think it's a pretty good one to close on. I think you watched this show, but I'm not positive. But uh, earlier this year, this aired as the season finale of the second season of Glow. Yes, a I very do watch Glow. a very Glow Christmas. Yes, thank you for that. That's uh, awesome. Thank you. Yes, and I... man, I just i adore this show i picked it as my favorite television show uh the year it it debuted i'm so engaged with it i love everybody on it uh i love the the stories i love the balance of drama and comedy uh, i'm so invested in it and this show this finale this episode managed to be a 100 percent perfect christmas episode while also being a perfect season slash, at the time, potential series finale. Now, they are getting a third and final season. Uh, But at the time, we didn't know that. And this episode, uh, once again, we have a telling of A Christmas Carol via, via professional wrestling in Las Vegas. But what I liked about this, uh, uh, just to uh, uh, hold on that for a second, because what I really loved about that is because the third season, we didn't really get a lot of in-ring stuff. Um, and I, I really loved the in-ring stuff from the other two seasons. And when we, Oh, this when, is season when, three. You're right. I was, th- I was thinking this was season two. So we're getting a fourth and final season. Right. When we do get the in-ring stuff in the third season it's really special and this is probably the most special yes yes they're they as their big final show of the year they decide to tell the story of a christmas carol through a professional wrestling show and it's absolutely perfect but outside of that all of the characters get these huge emotional moments of resolution for these storylines that have been going on for three seasons. Yep. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a, now this is not one I would probably recommend is, Hey, check this out. If if you want to check this show out, because it, it essentially is the culmination of three seasons of storytelling. It really is. But it's so well done. It's so. I mean, I I cried at least twice during this episode, just because it's so. It gives you everything that you want for these characters. If if you've become invested in them, uh, I I just loved it, man. I loved it. 
No, absolutely. It is really, it, it's glow. It's the series at its best, and I don't think it ever really dips to a, a bad point. No, no, like a low point. But this is definitely. It ends. If this was the last episode, like they didn't, I don't know if they knew for sure they were coming back when they filmed this. I don't think that they did because if I remember correctly, Marin, um, he had an interview with one of the writers after this episode. And then later on on his podcast announced that they found out that they were getting a fourth final season. Gotcha. So, so and I remember when we reviewed it, uh, the season for uh, the Air Station One podcast, and I know that some of uh, the people that were on it were talking about how that they thought, you know, if there if it didn't come back, they would be satisfied as, as this as a finale. I wouldn't. As much as I like the episode a lot, I and maybe I just don't want to let go of the show because it's like to me it's not satisfying. <laughs> like, well, I think it's like it's, I would want it to return because I not, was like, no, no, there's still a lot of questions here. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's it's a it's not the series finale I would dream of. But if that had been the end, I would have been like, you know what? Okay, they wrapped they wrapped enough up that it's not going to leave me hanging like the last episode of Human Target. Right, and, and I do fear that in the... Four, I, look, the show's smart enough that I I'm, I'm, don't think this is going to be an issue, but with the, with the actual glow show being like a, you know, uh, whether it's on a cable TV or whether it's a, a Vegas show, ending, completely ending, I do wonder, like, it seems like for the fourth season they're going to have to like be really like creative yeah, in terms yeah. of bringing it back and maybe that's not a good thing maybe it is i don't know we're I, like i said i trust these people so I, yeah, and that's that's the thing is i trust them i think if they didn't have an idea when netflix came to them they would have said we don't have anything right right and they would have done so they would have said we don't have anything else for glow but we've got this other idea. Like I, sure. I, I think that would have been the conversation. And look, Netflix doesn't just go throwing fourth seasons around either, right? I, but I really, you know, as far as where a lot of the characters are, yeah, it does kind of. It doesn't put a final period on them, but it does put them in places where that they've been leading up to for the entire, and especially Ruth. Like yes. Ruth is Ruth is arc through from the first episode to this one is really amazing watching that that develop and and yeah um you know unlike a lot of like you said unlike a lot of the other uh, times where christmas or holidays in general are used to kind of get more eyes on a show i would not start i would not say oh you like christmas um you know watch very glow christmas because you'll (laughs) love it because yeah because as much as I would recommend watching them do the Christmas Carol part, if you could just edit that part out, like just take the Christmas Carol in the ring stuff and make a you know video of that, then yeah. I would lo- you know that would I'd love to. That'd be a lot of fun, out. and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if that's out there somewhere. Yeah, the the, the uh, Christmas Carol edit. Oh my gosh, I would love to see. Well, that one wasn't televised though; it was just a live show. I was going to say I would love to see like a televised special version of that, like complete with, with artificial, you know, eighties looking production on the screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
But, uh, look, I mean, anytime, anytime something references Christmas Carol, I'm in because it's one of my favorite, not just one of my favorite Christmas stories, but it's one of my favorite stories, period. Uh, definitely within my top five of books, stories, whatever have you have like that uh, I've read and seen every year. I mean, in addition to watching all these specials, every year I watch uh, some sort of different, because there's thousands of them out there, different versions of Christmas Carol. So uh, I can't say I've seen near all of them because there's just so many. But uh, anytime I see a reference, you've got me because I'm like, okay, uh, I love this. Well, Mike, we have talked about a ton of Christmas television, but we have barely scratched the surface of what is out there. Uh, I encourage everyone listening to check out uh, the stuff that we talked about, except maybe A Wish for Wings That Work. <laughs> um, but but go check the stuff out. And, and the Star Wars Christmas special. And the Star Wars those, holiday special. Let's those, stay away yeah, from those, that, too. Yeah, those two. Yeah, there's there's a lot of better stuff out there. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, it's it's all available in some shape or, or form, streaming, or you know, a lot of it you can get cheap on DVD from Amazon, whatever the case may be. Go check this stuff out. Uh, please join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, although I will note if it becomes apparent to me that you are a troll, I will block you and throw you out. Uh, but please join us over there. Get in on the conversation. Let us know what your favorite Christmas uh, TV episodes are. Uh, we would love to hear from you and check those out. I can always add more stuff to my TV playlist. Mike, before we go, where are you online? What are you up to? What's happening with you, man? Uh, well, of course, you can find me at uh, newlegendmike.com, uh, tikizombie.net, I think, net, .net? Yeah, I didn't get .com for that one. Uh, bummer. Uh, but uh, um, And see uh, all the things that I'm doing uh, books-wise, which I think 2020 is going to be uh, a really, we'll say, big and uh, interesting. It may be a big year, but it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, I'm, I'm really... I uh, got some ambitious plans for 2020 uh, production-wise. A lot of things that have not happened in the last year or two are, are like, the corner has been turned, so they're going to see some stuff come out in 2020. And, uh, and of course, you can find me on the Earth Station One podcast every week. Very cool. We'll be following along to see what happens for you next year. In the meantime, uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays. And uh, just have some fun enjoy yourself find some fun stuff to do and if it's on tv uh then you know uh, we will approve <laughs> mike <laughs> thanks for coming on and talking about christmas on tv as always it's my pleasure thank you sir and merry christmas to you and the family man this only having sound in the right ear thing is really really annoying and i was starting to think gosh i don't know if i can wait for christmas and and look i'm not expecting i'm pretty sure my uh family already has all their shopping done uh so i, I was kind of kidding about the whole christmas thing but i i don't think i could wait for christmas anyway is what i was thinking because this is annoying but i realized next week we're recording the needless commentary uh the week after that i expect to also be a live recording and or an in-person recording i'll say so I may not need, but you see, I have to use them for editing. So even though I think I'm going to have to go out tomorrow, uh, run to, run over to Fry's 
which is where I got these oh so many years ago, and where I got my uh, recorder that I use to record things live. Uh, might have to run over there after work tomorrow, or today in your guys' time, and uh, go ahead and just grab a new headset. Uh, but I love this one. I love it so much. But I guess if it's lasted seven years, that's great. And it's time to go ahead and just say, well, I guess I need to get a new one. And you know what? This could be a tax write-off. And I just am I, I, I'm so afraid of even attempting that kind of thing that I've, I've never done anything uh, tax write-off related. I've, I've twice... I've like had everything in front of me and I'm just like, nope, I, I don't feel like the government would consider this a business because it certainly isn't making me any money. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode regardless. Please go check out needlessthingspodcast.com. Join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Follow Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. And uh, spread the word. If you enjoyed this, spread it around like holiday cheer. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.